Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Playing the Field. So happy to be back. Oh, we, yes. Oh. We, uh, we've been dealing with some tech issues, but yeah. uh, we're starting to work some stuff out. We're going to have some not weird audio going on this yeah, time. Yeah, some, be- some right. better audio. The mic, is, mic should work a lot better. 100%. I'm still adjusting some levels right now to make sure uh, things are good. But it's not going to be coming from one side or the other. Um, so, yeah, we got Ricky. We're going to have Ricky continuing to come back. Alex, on the other hand, we don't know. We don't know what his time frame is. Yeah. I don't know if he, like, wants to be back or cares. Or... I know. I know. So we'll see. We'll see with him. I'm going to see if I can move this back, actually. Um, so I don't have to. There we go. Don't have to lean forward quite so much. All right. So let's get into it. We have a lot to talk about today. Um, the first on the topic, Ricky made the schedule actually. So you want to lead us today? All right. You, so, you can moderate. <laughs> yeah. So today I'm going to start off with a little NBA, yep. get into little player issues. Then we'll, you know, eventually turn that same issue and go into the NFL with it and talk right. a lot more NFL today though. All right. All right. All right. So recently a report came out that the Clippers bench, namely Lou Williams, Pat Bev and Montrez Harrell all had problems with Kawhi Leonard last year and the way he would make the team late for team flights because the team allowed him to stay in San Diego and the way he would be able to control his minutes because he could tell Doc Rivers, hey, I want to go in or hey, I want to come out at will and Doc would do it. And they also had problems with Kawhi, obviously, with his uh, minutes restrictions on himself. Load management stuff. Load management. And how it got them into a four seed when they should have been one or two. And how they lost in the semis when they should have been in the conference finals at least. Right. So the question, I guess, is should we, as play- or as fans, encourage players to move? And when it comes to that point, do these players, should they receive accommodations from these teams? Because in Kawhi's case, he came to the Clippers and said... I want Paul George. Right, he made demands. Yeah, he made demands, and then he said, "Oh yeah, I also want to live in San Diego. Oh yeah, right. I want to control my own minutes. Oh yeah, I don't feel like playing tonight." Right. So, I think, I think this we're beginning to see the turn. I think I think in in prior NBA, uh, the GMs had a lot of the power. And uh, the players just kind of had to shut up and play. Shut up and dribble. <laughs> um, and I think we're, we're reaching the point where it's starting to go in the other direction. Where players are actually starting to get too much power. You know what I mean? And I think Kwai is a perfect example of someone that is getting, just because he's better, like he's a better basketball player, he gets more touches, scores more points. Uh, he's getting all these special favors. And it does not surprise doesn't surprise me at all that people would get upset with this. And I took issue with the load management early on. I said this is not the way to do things. First of like first of all because of the contract stuff, like you're you're paid to play 82 games instead of you know, unless barring an injury and he's not playing these games and he's not hurt. So it's I mean, you can do it. You can say you have an injury or something. But then it incentivizes other people to do that too. And then you have a league where your players are, are not playing 82 games. And then it goes to the point where, you, all right, let's just shorten the season because all the stars to keep up 
are, you know, so it, it creates a snowball. Um, so first of all, it's not fair to the rest of the league, right? I, I don't think, like, if the Clippers had beaten the Lakers, it's not fair because LeBron James played every game of his contract, right? If LeBron had taken half the season off or a third of the season off, imagine how much better he'd be come postseason, right? So I don't think it's fair from that perspective. It also doesn't shock it doesn't shock me at all that the Clippers would get irritated. If I was a teammate on the Clippers, I would get irritated at this. Players are not coaches. Players are not GMs. And this is a problem when it comes to even LeBron, even Kyrie. I was I was gonna go into the LeBron aspect. Yes. LeBron should not have a say. This is, I guess this is controversial. I'm actually shocked at how controversial this is. I do not believe LeBron should have a say in who's coaching the team and who his personnel should be. LeBron's job is still in my area to play the game to the best of his ability. Now, he's entitled to leave for a better situation. That's fine. If, if he feels like the GM is not giving him talent like he did in Cleveland, it's perfectly valid to leave and go to Miami. But see, then he gets flack for going to Miami. No, he does get flack, but it, again, it, it's it's it all comes full circle because the the reason he got flack in Miami is not just because he left for a better team. It's because he left for a super team, right? If he had left to a team with a lot of salary cap space, like for instance, he didn't get a lot of flack going to the Lakers. And the reason he didn't get a lot of flack going to the Lakers is because there wasn't a, a crazy ton of stars there. There was a lot of young players. It was a better opportunity, but it wasn't a powerhouse. And then LeBron signing there and then making moves made it a powerhouse, which is a much more noble way to win in the NBA. He went to Miami, abandoned Cleveland. Again, Cleveland didn't give him much, all right? I feel like the second time he abandoned them, though, everyone kind of respected the move. Yeah, it is amazing. People, <laughs> Everyone was like, you know what, that... That season was great. You really did it <laughs> by a, yourself. That was a crazy block. Go, just, yeah. just go to L.A. Have fun. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, it, this is the same thing. Like, we're getting to a point now where, where Kyrie doesn't want coaching. Like, he thinks he's the coach, you know? And it's just a very dangerous slope when you give players this kind of power. And it, it's no shock to me that the Clippers underperform this year with with morale it's it's funny because uh it was it wasn't the talent actually it was the morale so it shows you that you need to has a a proper way to say this you need to sacrifice for talent in the nba you absolutely need to but you can't sacrifice so much like i think the celtics were were honestly a little guilty of that they they sacrificed and they kind of curtailed to Kyrie Irving's whims and let him go off about government and in turn the franchise suffered now we were miraculously able to recover because we ended up signing someone to, to replace him but yeah. and it was someone like of a high caliber too. right right who was yeah. a great teammate who was the opposite and, and everything kind of worked out there um, but yeah that's my perspective I think that you know, players should absolutely be able to leave wherever they go. But when it comes to managing the team and managing minutes and stuff, that should be coaches and GMs. Okay. I I do agree with you to a, to a degree. Yeah. Kawhi, out of line. I thought when he joined the Clippers, I thought it was so ballsy that he said, get me Paul George or I'm not signing there. Yeah. That 
to me, was already crazy in itself. Yes, yes. Like... Let alone the but deal. Then, but then you go in, oh, I'm not playing a certain amount of games. Oh, I can come out whenever I want. Oh, I'm not living in L.A. So I'm going to make everyone on the team wait for me while I pull up. Yeah. Like, at a certain point, it's like, are you on the team? Right, right. And if that question even has to be asked, then you shouldn't be getting accommodations. Yeah. But in my mind, a player like LeBron, a player who's... When, when LeBron is given accommodations, in my mind, it's normally because he's trying to improve the team in some way. With the Lakers, right, he, he was definitely a part of that, let's package all of these young pieces and get AD. He was definitely, like, in the back, like, text and genie bus. Like, yeah, yeah, pulling we, strings. We, we trade for Anthony Davis yet? Like, oh, we haven't? Oh, my groin hurts. I'm out for the season. Sorry. Yeah. So... And it worked, because they just won a championship. They did. That I, being said, do you think the reason the Lakers went and got Anthony Davis was because LeBron told them to, or because Anthony Davis was universally known as a top 10 NBA player that if you paired well, with LeBron well, uh, would uh, be unstoppable? Obviously, yeah. That that was definitely like, oh, you should put AD with LeBron. That's a perfect fit. He can spread the floor and run pick and roll, of course. I think, though, that I don't know if the Lakers would have been comfortable to trade that many future stars unless LeBron had told them, go get AD or go, just like, I want him. Like, I don't think they would have given up as much as they would they did for AD if the, LeBron hadn't said, you know what, you do this, I'm here. Like, I'm a Laker now. Like, See, so I, I see that. I, I don't think that's tr- Like, I think the Lakers absolutely would have get, sent the house for Anthony Davis. Like, stars are so valuable, and I guess not every GM cares about this. I mean, look at the Knicks. But yeah, but, like, how many teams can win with two stars in today's NBA? I mean, you can win with two stars. I mean, now. We've had the, we actually had this debate last time yeah, we were on. exactly. How many stars you need. You either need you – either, yeah, so you either need an all-worldly star, which we haven't seen yet. That's, like, godlike level. Or you need two superstars or three all-stars – or four... Four competent players. Right, four competent players. Which was my argument for the Celtics, is that they don't have a superstar, but they have a really competent four that are all all-star caliber. Yeah, but the thing is, is like, if that team is five years younger, that's three superstars. I know, yeah. So, it, it's just like... Anthony Going in for Anthony Davis was a universal decision... Like, everyone knew that that was the way to go. And if you were having... Like, they kept Kuzma, who at the time was the best best prospect. Yeah. So, you know, that's a no-brainer trade. That trade was a slam dunk for the Lakers. They traded Lonzo Ball. Yeah, but at the at the time, everybody thought they gave up so much. And if they hadn't won this year... I we wouldn't We wouldn't have been saying it's a slam dunk trade if they had lost. <sighs> If they had lost the finals, you still if they, th- had, if they had lost at any point in this. Playoffs. If Anthony Davis had taken off to Chicago, yeah, but if Anthony Davis stays in L.A. and would have stayed in L.A., that still would have been good because they would have had a championship competing team, right? Yeah, but that team around them, there's like okay, like you're basically saying, once LeBron leaves, we're just gonna have AD, and is AD gonna stay when LeBron leaves? Probably not, right? Probably not, yeah. So then what? 
You figure it out. You rebuild. Be- but they don't you, have any pieces. I, th- that's what you have to do to win championships. Alex Caruso? This is what I mean, though. You still have to sacrifice to win, to get stars. Oh, of course. But I'm saying, like... I would have given up. I would have given up Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo well, Ball. I would have sent them retrospect, everybody. The trade is good. The trade was great. Yes. But at the time, everyone thought they gave up too much. Yes. I didn't think so. I mean, I, I thought so. Just because... The fact that you didn't how many have picks, to give how up many your number one prospect, give? too. I got to make sure I'm talking straight. What did you say? How many picks did they give up, too? I don't know. Uh, I think they, I thought they gave up two picks, maybe a first rounder and a future first. You might want to check. Three first round picks. Three first rounds. Okay. Lonzo, B.I., and Josh Hart. Now, I will admit, Josh Hart does not matter in this whatsoever. Yes, yes. We knew that. Lonzo yeah. Ball got better over the season. He did. And Brandon Ingram is the most improved player. Yeah, they're all great pieces. Even if they had lost this championship, the Lakers still would have won that won that trade because you are getting the best player in the deal. Like, and And I'm crazy on this front. I still think that the Clippers won the Paul George trade. Really? Which sent like six first-round picks, tons of uh, Shea Gilders-Alexander, tons of young prospects. That's... Took half a decade, and even if Paul George underperformed, I still think the Clippers won that trade. Really? Yes. Even though Shy is looking great, he's yep. looking like the Thunder's future. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I really don't think I agree with that. Just because, like, all the picks that the Thunder got... Paul George does not look the same. Paul George looks like he can't be the two. And he's already been the one and not won anything. So, it just... I'm starting to think that... Originally, I thought the Clippers won the trade. Everyone did. But I think now the Thunder won the trade. Because they got Shy, who's like 23. Looks great. He's probably going to win most improved player next year. Yeah. Like, I... They were si- they were a six seed this year. No, yeah, they gave up a ton. So like, and the Clippers are only getting older. No, yeah, I, I agree. So first of all, I do think that Paul George can be a number two on a championship team. Okay. Do you agree with that? Sure, fine. So I'll, I can. Do so that up, yeah. yeah. So this is the thing. It's like one bad playoff stretch from Paul George does not mean you clean house. I don't think that's his first bad playoff. Like. I remember watching him in Indiana. When he was the up. one. When he was the one, when yeah. When he could do whatever he wanted on offense, but when he's waiting for Russ to pass him the ball, when he's thinking about, oh, the system, is Melo here going to shoot, and then now Melo's gone, but still he has to deal with Russ, right? His, yeah. His Thunder playoff series have not been good. Have they not? They have not been good. I have to check those numbers. That, I, I just I remember that first Thunder team getting worked by rookie Donovan Mitchell. I know that they underperformed. I know that the, that they underperformed, but I'm also and then I'm got, much lower on Russell Westbrook is the reason I'm saying that is because I think Russell Westbrook can be pretty pretty disastrous to a team when you have a guy that's as inefficient as he is shooting as many shots as he does. I just I'm very low on Russell Westbrook personally. No, yeah. I Which not, I think and you not, and I have agreed I'm not, on. I'm not high on Westbrook yeah. either, but See that my thing then would be like if you're Paul George in that scenario, why wouldn't you take charge and be like, "All right, I'm becoming the one." So that's the thing. And he's not a leader per se. 
I don't know if he's a leader. And this is the issue with the Clippers is that Kawhi is isn't not a leader either. either. Right. So now you're getting into a situation where you need Patrick Beverly to lead your team. You just have no leaders with championship experience. Right. And I think Patrick Beverly can be the leader. Like the le- the leader of the Warriors is Draymond Green in my opinion. Yes, he he he's a hype man. He's a catalyst, but I don't consider him the leader. Really? I think that we all really when I say we the Warriors, yeah. I think that the Warriors all really like rally around Steve Kerr. Like Steve Kerr is our coach. I think he he really is like our leader. Like I think. Well, yeah. I mean, that should go without saying. No, though, but right? like you need an on the floor but on the Clippers, leader. Clippers, you don't see Doc Rivers as a leader, really, do you? I thought Doc's a good coach. I thought that they didn't. I I felt like they didn't respect him that much. Uh, well, I mean, again, I mean, like, this, guys, is, this is this is where I have, feel for Doc. Been there. Definitely did. Like, Lou Will, Montrez, definitely respected Doc, listened to him. But, like, when you have Kawhi coming in there and determining his own minutes. That's what I'm saying. It's hard for Doc to manage that, especially when probably his upper management is telling you, do whatever he wants. We need him happy. We need him here. Right? So that's a really hard situation to coach, which is why I don't think they should have released him. Secondly, you need an on-the-floor leader. Like, I, Draymond is one. Yes. Uh. I think that he and also that leader, gets us in the trouble, leader, though, is the thing. And the leader doesn't have to necessarily be a good player. doesn't even have to be loud. Like, Kevin Garnett was loud, and he would get on you. He was the definition of, like, the macho man, and he was the leader of the franchise. Like, Dirk Nowitzki led in different ways. Tim Duncan led in different ways. But Kawhi Leonard, to me, just seems like a guy that just wants to show up, put his head down, play, well, and then go home. There was another report that he's like, oh, I want a point guard because he doesn't want to be the guy that creates offense for his team. Right. So they they need a leader. And when you when the leader, who I think should be Pat Bev, is probably – I mean, look, at he's getting disrespected by Kawhi Leonard. He's had spats with Kawhi Leonard. Doesn't get along with the team. I don't know. It's just like, okay, like when you tell me Pat Bev, that just makes me think of like the time when Mario Chalmers would like snip, snip at LeBron like once and LeBron would yell at him or something. And then it's just like, oh, that's Mario Chalmers. So I don't think Mario Chalmers was the leader of the Miami. Oh, no. But I'm saying like it almost feels like that's what the situation feels like akin to. And I know Patrick Beverly's way more of a competitor and way more of a dog than Mario Chalmers is. Well, Patrick well, Beverly's not known for any prowess. Like, even defensively, he's only known for being gritty, not, like, great. I agree. I, I agree. Now, the, the question is, can you be a inferior player and be a leader? And Udonis Haslam is the prime example. Because Udonis Haslam didn't play a game for the Heat this year and has, has been reportedly huge in the locker room and, and been a massive part of training and building the young core and stuff. But Udo's going to have that respect because he's been on championship squads. He was on yeah. one with Dwayne Wade before LeBron, and he was on LeBron once. That's so, so much. So, okay, so my, nonetheless. My thing with Beverly is he's, he's never how far has he gotten in the playoffs when James Harden was taking him to like the conference finals or the semis? Just saying, he locked up Durant he, for a couple he, of games. He brings it. I will give it to him. You need good teams to do well too. It's not like Udonis Haslam was the one pulling the strings for the Miami Heat. The the thing you I'm just, trying to say is the failure with the Clippers 
is not the talent. Yeah. They have the talent. It's the leadership. They need and the a leader. Yeah. Right. And and that's you can find that. Yeah. You know, which is why I don't think that the situation calls for them jumping ship at the moment, you know? And I it's also why I still think they can win that trade. I mean that's that's definitely why they got Tyron Lou though, because he's he recently won a chip. And so like he has championship experience and like Do you like, like Tyron Lou, just off topic? Okay, I've been I've been reamed for saying that he's not a good coach. I agree with you. But I have been I've been there like my my friends have been like, What do you mean? He won a championship. He won a championship yeah. with LeBron. And it was the historic and championship. It's the historic yeah. one and you have to be able to manage egos and yada yada yada. And I always say Steve Kerr took a six seed. A six seed that lost in the first round to an NBA finals. With the with, same team. With the same team, except for the addition of Sean Livingston. That is it. Yeah. We signed Sean Livingston and won an NBA Finals. Go to my team. Brad Stevens took Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. A 5'9", 150-pound guard, and made him an MVP candidate and took that team with no one else to the playoffs. Yes. And then, without Horford, became a one seed. Like The exact same team. Went to the finals a year before with a different coach. Right. Right. So so then, and it doesn't even have to go there. Like, first of all, I don't think Frank Vogel's an amazing, amazing coach. LeBron does a lot for you, and he makes oh, yeah. the job easy for coaches. It just to me, Tyron Lue was just kind of there to just not get he, in the he's way. He's a motivator. Yeah. He's there to be he like, just, he's, like a hype, he's a hype man. And, and the thing also, like, he was, extra, apparently he was, like, so stressed out for coaching duties that he was like coughing up blood. Okay. And that's well. why he stepped away, which is a big concern. Right? Like, yeah, I'm sure that your stress levels are even better in LA rather than Cleveland. Exactly my worry. I don't think that Tyron lose the guy. They they wanted someone that It just doesn't make sense to me. They took they took a guy that is like Doc is a leader in my opinion. I, I feel like he lost the respect of his players. Because when you – I know I know it's not his fault, but when you see that as a player, you see Kawhi Leonard going up to your coach and being like, I'm coming out. And he's like, yeah. oh. You think that, that Doc maybe should have stood up to him more? Absolutely. Yeah. Because that's, so how, I you, think that's, that's also, how you gain the respect of your players. That's, that's, that's a good point. And I also think that Doc had a lot of help with KG in Boston. That he had that guy to kind of yeah. bail him out and rev up his guys for him almost. Exactly, yeah. But regardless, the solution is to not get a guy, you know. Like, like okay, like in Boston, Doc and Rondo would butt heads. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Still worked. It did, yeah. But, like, when you're, you're, you're tying your coach's hand behind his back when you're saying that you need to listen to the player because Kawhi is definitely not – like a team first guy. Definitely he not. No. He wouldn't have left the Spurs if he was. He wouldn't have left the Raptors if he was. Yeah. He wants what he wants. Yeah. He wants he wants to win a championship in LA and be the best player doing yeah. it. Yeah. And I just yeah, I don't think that bringing in a guy that A has not done well in stressful situations and B was just kind of there to not get in the way in Cleveland. I don't think that that's the right guy. To bring in. Yeah. 
you need a guy with a big presence. Like, I will say, my one thing with Tyron Lue, there were a couple of times when he would he would challenge LeBron, which is true. Yeah, that that is and true. So if he's if he's willing to do that, that could that could go a long way. Like if he's able to like gain the respect of Kawhi enough to where he, Kawhi just listens to what he says, that's a good hiring in my mind, actually, to make Kawhi one of the players again. So that's that's interesting. Because again, we were saying that the Clippers have the talent; they just need the motivation and the leadership. So maybe we could be that could make sense. In all honesty, I might change my mind there too. Because Tyron Lue is not a great X's and O's guys, guy, but might be able to get on some players like he would, like he did with LeBron. So maybe it is a good hire. You know, we'll see. Uh, All right. So we though. we definitely spent way too much time on the NBA. Really, just putting that out there. How much time do we spend? Way more than was allotted. Oh no. But ah no no we're all right we're all right. It's okay, because we are still on the subject of divas. <laughs> and that was the segue into the NFL, because today a report came out that Michael Thomas will not suit up for the Saints, even though I'm pretty sure he's healthy. Yeah, so something's going on there. Apparently he got into a locker room fight, like last week. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. That's a weird one. You know how bad that must be? Because Sanders has COVID right now. Oh, God. So, Emmanuel Sanders has COVID. Michael Thomas is out because apparently he just doesn't want to be there. Or, I don't know, he's a diva, Michael Thomas. The Saints might be screwed. They, they could. They're in trouble. And, I, again, Panthers plus seven is the spread. I might put some money on that. And that's definitely going to be one of my three picks because, first of all, the Panthers have been playing well. And they've been surprisingly good against the pass, which oh, is yeah. unlike a Panthers Panthers defense, defense just shocks me. It, it does, yeah. So like they shouldn't be good. Um, I think the Saints are going to run a, run the ball, but that's pretty predictable. Yeah, and like, when you have if no, you, if you stack the box, stack the box, what are you play do? your zone defense. Yeah. They have no receivers. What are you going to do? Drew Brees looks a little bit. He's he's a little bit old. on the back end. He's getting right. old. He the arm's not there anymore, really. And they have not been winning games by a lot of points. Like look at their last couple games. Oh yeah, they they like they beat the Lions by like six. You know they they're they've been. Skating by against teams that uh, aren't even crazy impressive. They had a good win against the Bucks on their first game, but I don't know. Um, Michael Thomas is an interesting situation. I mean, he's he's always been like this. Has he over the summer? Did you did you not see like over the summer? There's this thing where it's like, oh, like someone said that. I think Keenan Allen said, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm actually, like, a top, like, three receiver, but, like, the stats don't show, like, yada, yada, yada. Keenan Allen said yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, like, some of your receivers have, like, three routes in their tree. Stab at Michael Thomas because he runs slants all the time. Yeah. Apparently, Michael Michael Thomas lost it. Lost yeah. it. He said, I'm the best, best receiver in the NFL. Ah, I'm mad, blah, blah, blah. R- respect me, all this stuff. No one was disrespecting him. Yeah. I mean, he, he made a general statement yeah, like that he, happened he, to Keenan apply Al- to Keenan Michael Allen Thomas. was basically just saying, like, I deserve more respect. Like, because I can do everything that all of these elite receivers can do. Especially since he hasn't necessarily had the greatest quarterback story in the yeah, world. Yeah, he just has he had to deal with Phillip. He, he deals with injuries all the time. Like, that's his problem is he gets hurt. Like, yeah. But, like... 
I mean, like, I would consider Keenan Allen, if he's fully healthy, a top five receiver. Easy, yeah. Let me see. Let me see about that. That's a different. In terms of talent? Well, yeah. You're saying raw talent. Yeah. I think uh, he's got some of the best route running in the league. Hands. He's got great really hands. Great hands. He's got great. So great. in terms of raw talent, uh, Michael Thomas, I do got to put Thomas it in there. Is up there. Odell. You, not, in produ- not in production, yeah. in raw talent. My thing with Odell is he's not that tall. He's only like 5'11". Really? Yeah. He's got a big wingspan, though, I'm pretty sure. He's got big hands. And long arms, which helps. Oh, I mean, probably, yeah. Um, I know, I'm just I'm thinking of some of his highlights where he's like oh, reaching yeah. for... Um, I'm just trying to think. So th- I, would, I would not put Tariq in there because Tariq yeah. is not raw well, talent. I he's would, just a track star. I would put Julio over Odell. Yep. I'd probably put Mike Evans over Odell. Yep, I agree. I feel like I would put Keenan Allen at five, though. We're missing a big receiver. DeAndre oh, Hopkins. And Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. See, my thing... I feel like Devontae Adams has just benefited from playing with Aaron Rodgers for years. Very possible. He's a great, he's a great receiver, but like, there's nothing about Devontae Adams that stands out to me besides he's a great route runner. Like he doesn't, he doesn't impress me with speed like that. Doesn't impress me with size like that. But like, he he runs great routes, and Aaron Rodgers can find him because he can throw people open. Yeah. So, so you'd rather have Keenan on your team? Take no, age out of the equation. No, because he gets hurt. If there were no yes, injuries okay. in this lifetime, then yes, Keenan Allen. That's interesting. I don't know if I can go there just because Devontae's been, I don't know, he's just been in the top five in every category for so long. I mean, like. But my, I do I do think that you, that Keenan has a point and he's kind of undervalued, yeah. you know. And he, has he been getting targeted this year? I honestly haven't been keeping track. I feel like it's pretty I know, underwhelming. I remember last game he came out mid-game because he got hurt. But I know Herbert's thrown to him a couple times. And, like, he throws a nice deep ball. Like Herbert's good, yeah. We, we, yeah, we talk, we talked We've about talked that. about yeah. Herbert, yeah. Yeah, Herbert's great. So just Speaking of rookie quarterbacks, <laughs> great transition. It's two a time. Yes. How do we feel about that? Uh, Again, I don't understand like you should throw him in this year and i get the bye week thing but i why i like ryan fitzpatrick is killing it i just don't understand why when why you wouldn't wait until ryan fitzpatrick cools i definitely off. think it's early the only reason why the dolphins are definitely doing this is because of how well burrow and herbert have been performing and also there is pressure because they can they can yeah, win now they can yeah. like if Tua turns out to be like nice and they have their franchise they can, quarterback, they so compete. like, there's no yeah. point to tank, right? Okay. I might switch my stance. I know before I was very, you shouldn't start to and now if he gets decked by Aaron Donald, that could fuck his hip up again and it would be over. Um, but I now, I'm thinking now, we all universally know Brian Flores is a good coach. Yes. That Dolphins team last year shouldn't have won it all, and they had a couple wins. Five, yeah, I think. Ridic- maybe six, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. I don't think Brian Flores is a guy who would put his quarterback out there if he didn't believe that he was ready. Yeah. And I, I looked at Fitzpatrick's stats. Yeah, they're, 
they're they're at five hundred, and he's throwing, they're he's better than Ryan good, Fitzpatrick. They're better than average Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he still he still throws a lot of picks. He still like I want to say he ha- he has like six and six on the year or something. Okay, okay, then I get it more. I just think it would make sense to just you know when when Ryan Fitzpatrick's struggling, make the switch. He's he's ten and seven on the year on touchdown to interceptions. So, okay, and like, good but not great. But is, he's got a lot of yards though, doesn't he? Yeah, probably not, over not a thousand. Crazy, not not crazy yards. What I can't. I don't want to add this up all right now because I'm bad at math. Let's see, twenty twenty. He has fifteen hundred yards on the season. So I think that's on pace for four thousand. I mean, if you you're just, trying just to saying. you're trying to you're trying to fill the the vacuum that the Patriots left have with Tom Brady leaving, right? The in, Pats in the AFC East as the Dolphins. You're oh, trying to fill the va- the void. I guess. Yeah. I feel like that's what you're you're trying to do it before the Bills do it because Bill right now the Bills look like they're about what to you, take. What are you saying? Are you saying the, I'm saying the Patriots are trying to no, fill the, the Dolphins board? are trying and the to capitalize everyone on, in the AFC East is trying to capitalize on Tom oh, Brady okay, leaving okay. the Patriots. Got you. Almost, you're almost letting the opportunity in my mind slip away if you're letting the Bills just run away with it right now, and you're not going to compete with Fitzpatrick. It's just you're not. You might as well try and get to a valuable minutes so he can outduel Josh Allen in the future. Now, right? If not, win this year, win next year. Because like we, I feel like normally we would all think that Tua is a better prospect than Josh Allen in theory. Yes, I mean yes, Josh Allen has the stronger arm, but Tua we know is a great passer, great field or field awareness, like. He's, he was just great in college. Like, we thought he was going to be the number one pick until he got injured. And if he's fully healthy, I, I'd i say I don't think Brian Flores wouldn't start him if he wasn't ready. I, I think that's valid. And these things are so hard because... Because we're not there. Cause, yeah. <laughs> well, that's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> that's certainly part of it. But, Get us uh, out there. Uh, Patrick Mahomes waited the full year. And came in and was fantastic. And then you got Lamar Jackson that was just thrown in. Just go make make stuff happen. And he did. Yeah. And then used that year of development and then exploded his second year. So it's like... And then you have guys like Kyler who have just been playing. Right, right. So it's like it all depends on what it is. So I think you're right to trust the coach there. Real quickly, uh, really quickly, just before we go on, uh, on the Diva topic, I wanted to ask uh, Antonio Brown... Going to the Seahawks, do you think that's good or not? As a Niners fan, absolutely not. Okay, do you think that makes sense for the Seahawks taking bias out? I think it does I not. Think, I think he could. He needs if you get Antonio Brown to buy into the system. That's all you need. You need to get Antonio Brown the player, not Antonio Brown the person. See, you don't need receivers on the Seahawks. But the whole the whole thing is with the Seahawks right now is like. They're that five and O team, which we're gonna go into. Yeah. They're that five and O team that we did not expect to be five and O. Like we thought they would be better than last year, right? But they look like they should not be this, right? I guess, but I I probably take them over any five and O team right now. Yeah, but that's 
these five and O teams have been whack. They're weird. They're weird. So okay, I just to me that that seems like a massive locker room risk for someone that's going to be a wide receiver three, and that doesn't make sense to me. I get it; he's super talented, but the Seahawks' needs are defense, not offense. Dude, Antonio Brown was a game-changing wide receiver. He played one game with the Patriots and scored. I know, I know. He's a game-changing um, wide receiver. The way that I remember back when he was on the when he was on the Steelers and the way he would switch up his speed on his routes. It's ridiculous. Like who does that? As He's a, a great receiver. receiver. Yeah. Like that. Also small. Yeah, and he made it, he made it work. I yeah. Mean, yeah, and he was still unquestionably. <laughs> He's just I, I I just don't know if he's a guy that can come out of his funk. Yeah, that's that's my thing. If he's still if he still has CTE right now, I don't think I would sign him. Like, or still has this like egotistical yeah condition. I don't know what you call it. Just extreme arrogance. Yeah. But okay, and then real quick, uh, do you think Odell should want out of Cleveland? Yeah, but I think he should have been wanted out of Cleveland since he got traded there. So I love the answer. Do you think Odell should want out? And he's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I just wanted to get those those in Absolutely. There. I, I, Cleveland is just, I know they've been good like, this year. Like, I, I don't think Odell is out of line to be, like, the temper tantrums are a bit much, but it's because he cares. Yeah. I'd much rather have that. I'd much rather see than a him Kawhi in Leonard, the Niners jersey. Right? Oh, oh, sorry. Right, right. That just slipped out. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Total accident, yeah. All right. Anyways, undefeated teams in the NFL. Yes. Right now we have three. Not the Chiefs, not the Ravens, not the Niners, not any of the teams not that the Patriots, anyone thought. Not the Patriots, not the Saints, yeah. We have the Steelers, the Titans, and the Seahawks. I think we're both shocked about all three of these teams being five and zero. I wanna, I wanna get your ranking on what, like, which team you think is gonna be undefeated the longest, which team you think is a fraud, maybe which team has surprised you. Okay. I think the Steelers are the most complete team. Okay. They have a veteran QB. They have a healthy James Conner, who has done well. They have a stout O line. They have Juju Smith Schuster, Chase Claypool, who's looked awesome. Deontay Johnson, who's also looked good. Um, they don't really have a tight end, but that's a lot of weapons on your offense. And this is also they had the yeah, best. Yeah, they have Eric Ebron at tight end. Eric Ebron, and then you had the best defense last year, and you have Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, I just I think they're the most complete team. That that being said, I I can I think Seahawks are second and Titans are third for me. Okay, I I think you know there's definitely like a splash of bias in here, but hear me out. I think the Seahawks are the worst team. Really? Okay. Then I think I would go Titans Steelers Steelers. I the thing my thing is I thought the Steelers were so Titans Steelers Seahawks. No, no, no Steelers at top. Titan, oh, okay. Titans middle, Seahawks last. So okay. we we both agree that the Steelers were probably the most well-rounded. Yeah. I thought Big Ben was going to come back looking really bad. Surprised me that he's not. I know, yeah. He looks good. Big Ben is just an anomaly. They're not guy. even, like, using Juju Smith-Schuster, too, which is crazy. Yeah. Like, but Big Ben is just, like, I don't get how he works. Like, 
Like, you have guys like Cam Newton who are 6'6". Six, six. Like, Diesel can probably rip you in half with Six packs, arms. yeah, like, yeah. And they, like, have issues throwing the ball sometimes because their mechanics are off or, like, their footwork isn't where it needs to be. And then you got fat ass Big Ben sitting in the pocket, just standing there, just like thirty seven with a beard, with, yeah, with a beard coming off an elbow injury on his throwing arm, slinging it without a care in and the he's, world. He's got no like fundamentals. Yeah, he's like, just like he's whip. Yeah, he, he just like I don't, I, I don't know. That's but Big Ben. It's just Big Ben. That's what he does. You know, I I kind of wasn't so, shocked. He hasn't he's digressed at all. Me, and I mean the Steelers' O line is always good. Mike Tomlin is just, he gets them. Mike lot, Tomlin's yeah. a good coach. The Steelers. They also have a uh, David DeCastro, right? Um, yeah, yeah, David DeCastro, that right they have guard. Someone else, I'm forgetting. They have a couple of studs. Um, but they always draft wide receivers so well. They got Brown, Juju. They've gotten Heinz Ward. I I could go on forever about San Antonio like, Holmes. Yeah. San Antonio Holmes, and now Chase Claypool is looking really good for them now too. Like I, I don't understand how they draft receivers, but they have the secret formula. They, they <laughs> just they just always hit. They just know, and their defense is so good. That was the only reason they were good last year after Big Ben went down, and now they're even better because they have more motivation to play. Less time spent on the field to Less rest. Less time spent yeah. on the field. They got Minka midseason, and now he's had a whole offseason to digest the playbook. It's just, it's, and the Steelers always have a good defense. Like, they've always had a good defense. It's always been, like, solid and comparable. Oh, yeah. So, I just, they're looking really good, and it's making me think that they could maybe challenge the Ravens. I agree, actually. I agree. I still don't know if they're favorited, but um, they got enough. They got enough pressure and enough speed. And Devin Bush too. Devin, he or, just went down though. Oh, he did, didn't he? He tore his ACL. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's a, okay. That yeah, that that's does actually hurt. A big. That's a big issue. That's a big hit. Yeah. But uh, on to the Titans. I think that Ryan Tannehill also kind of shocked me. He's been passing a lot better than I thought. Granted, the Titans. You you know what they are, right? They're just the run heavy. Twenty eight rushes Derek, a game. Yep. Derrick Henry will give Ryan Tannehill easy play action reads. Like I, I get it. Yeah, HB dive, HB like stretch. Yeah, and then a play action to AJ yeah. <laughs> or a play action to Johnny. That's the whole. <laughs> that's the sequence. And it's just. The only reason I don't have them higher is because I think they're not as versatile as the Steelers, but I do like their roster top to bottom. I think they have a solid defense, especially because after losing Jarrell, they got Jadavian, and I know that's not the same position, but at least you're adding to the O-line, and edge rushers are always more important than interior linemen. But Malcolm Butler's been playing well, Malcolm too, Butler's been on playing the edge. Well. They, just, they have a good defense, and I think Ryan Tannehill just looks more confident this year. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have – again, Ryan Tannehill is a guy that was able to get some wins in Miami with not with a lot. With Adam Gase. Yeah, true. It, start, it starts to make you think that Adam Gase just made him look bad. Yeah, I think he's just kind of a cancer. Yeah, Adam Gase sucks. <laughs> I think we all – yeah, we all – Jets fans, there. fire Adam Gase. Yes. Petition in the streets. Unless you want the pick, then just yeah. maybe, maybe wait maybe. on it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Do, you want, do you want Trevor – 
Ah, but what if Adam Gase ruins Trevor Lawrence? Very true. Well, you could just fire him at the end of the year. Probably the best option. Yeah. Anyway, I just I, – I, I don't trust the Titans enough because I just don't think that they're the, – for the reason you just said. Like, I, I would rather – Russell Wilson – the Seahawks have can can attack from two ways. They can they've always been able to pound the rock with Chris Carson, always. And now that he's not fumbling, I mean, he's going off. And Russell, you know, you know, Russell Wilson has been throwing it all over the place. So it's just so hard for a defense to plan cuz you really don't know what they're going to do. They have DK, they have Tyler Lockett, like Antonio Brown now. Like the defense is pretty bad. But when Jamal Adams gets healthy, uh, they have some pieces, and I just their defense just for me isn't won't cut it. I I just I take <laughs> I take Russell Wilson over Ryan Tannehill, and I take Pete Carroll over Mike Vrabel. Absolutely, which my, is the most two <clears throat> important things for me. My thing is is I think that the for one thing the Titans have a great O line. The, the Seahawks have an atrocious O-line. Let's go to the defensive line. The Titans have a way better D-line than the Seahawks. Yeah. Then we move into the front seven, just in general. Once you take out Bobby Wagner from that Seahawks... Whoa, okay. I'm not saying. I'm not, right. saying, I'm not saying we're taking him out completely. I'm just saying, like, besides that front seven, the entire front seven, besides Bobby Wagner, what is it? Yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> I couldn't name you a single player on that. Exactly, but there's contribute I mean I can't besides Jadavian Clowney and like I can't name a bunch of people on the front seven of the Titans but I know that they did enough to stop Lamar in the playoffs last year granted Jarrell Casey was there and he left they stopped Tom and Bill yeah yeah they stopped they did stop Tom which again though like when you go up against yeah it's gonna be interesting the, the if you cannot stop Derrick Henry you are not beating the Titans exactly so you got to have a defense that is tough. So, like, my thing is... Like, the, the Titans, Buccaneers would be a perfect team to take out the would, take out would the, the Seahawks be able to stop Derrick Henry? No, they would not, but I don't think the Titans could stop Russell. Wood. Like, I think it would. the Titans would have a better chance at stopping Russ than the Seahawks stopping Derrick Henry, which sounds crazy to say because it's a quarterback versus a halfback, but I think that the Titans have... A competent defense, while the Seahawks' defense is two players. Yeah, I know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I kind of, I kind of disagree. I think the Seahawks can win that, but I mean, they're they're all kind of right in the wheelhouse there. Um, yeah. But I like, mean, also, I'm a Niners fan, so what do I know? Biased. <laughs> biased. Um, should we go into the the picks of the week? How much time do we have? Yeah, we can, do, we can do picks movie. All right, so I talked about it earlier. I really like the Panthers plus seven against the Saints. The Saints have not been scoring. A t- well, they've been scoring. They have not been winning games by a lot of points against a couple mm-hmm. of inferior opponents. I don't think the Carolina Panthers are an inferior opponent. I think Teddy Bridgewater, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Mike Davis, all those guys are really starting to play. They're like DJ Moore's been way more maybe involved. Maybe Bridgewater might be able to recognize some of his old coverages on the Saints too. Also possible. Also possible. I didn't think of that. Um, anyway, the, the Panthers have been very good against the pass, um, and the Saints now don't 
they can't pass <laughs> because they have no one there. So they have no Emmanuel Sanders. They have no Michael Thomas. Jared Cook's not doing it for me. Stack the box. Play your deep blues. I I can't see this game being more than a like. I can't see the Saints just running away with this, and I think seven points is a lot. Seven points is a lot. Um, second pick is the Detroit Lions plus two over the Atlanta Falcons. I anticipate that this game is going to be a shootout. I don't think that's going to be a surprise. I just I just think the Lions are going to win that game. That's what I do. That's what I think too. I'm yeah. su- I'm surprised the Falcons are favored. I don't like. I get, yeah, they had a good showing last week against <coughs> Kirk Cousins, but uh, Matthew Stafford is a whole different lion, literally. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just can't see the the Falcons' defense, which looked bad with its head coach, stopping Matt Stafford, who's looked a lot better this year. Yeah, and again, I I say this a lot. The, the Lions, everyone thinks the Lions are a bad team because they had a bad record last year, but Matt Stafford went down, and. Matt Stafford honestly hasn't even been doing much because the run game has now been integrated. Yeah. The last couple games, DeAndre, DeAndre Swift, Swift has gotten into last it, week. which is huge. That's I did not see that coming either. I didn't either. Yeah, like I that line kind of came told, together. If you had told me that the Lions would develop a run game, it's shocking. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I I just the Falcons' defense is just like the Lions' defense is not good, but it's. It's compatible. The Falcons' defense is just a, a crapshoot. It's atrocious. Yeah, I, I like. I just see Matt Stafford. I, I in fantasy, I'm starting Matt Stafford over Deshaun Watson, and that's why I'm starting T.J. Hawkinson. Yes, but that's that's kind of that shows you the state of the Falcons' defense. So I'm going heavy on the uh, Lions this week. Um, and then the other one was the Steelers. I remember. I just don't know who they play. Uh, it was like a one-point line or something. They might play the Titans, honestly. Oh, yeah, they are playing the Titans. So, again, and the spread's one. Yeah. So, if if our rankings are right, the Steelers should win that game. And I do think that if there's a team that's tough and built to stop a Derrick Henry ground-and-pound team, it's the Steelers. Yeah. And they have the over-the-top help with Minka and guys like Joe Hayden to stop the man coverage. Um, they, they might be a little undersized, though. Because Johnu Smith is big and AJ Brown is big, is the one concern that I, I think, have. I think Hayden's a tall corner. How tall is is Joe Hayden actually? Mm-hmm. Let me find out. That's a good question. Because I know AJ Brown's big. Oh, he's five eleven. That's not. It's not. It's not that. It's, but it's not bad. It's not it's, bad. It could be worse. I still think the Steelers win that game. Better coaching. Yeah. I my thing is if that game's a close game, I just. If the game is really close, you're not going to be able to just go to Derrick Henry like that. Right. Especially if you like if it's a close game and you don't have the lead, like Yeah, that's the thing. If the Titans get down two touchdowns, they're going to have some trouble coming yeah, back. Exactly. But like I can see the Steelers playing from down. I can't see the Titans playing from down. Exactly. However, I I just don't think the game plan is going to change. Oh, like no. I could definitely see the Titans being down like twenty one three in the third, and them being like, yeah, just 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 run it to Derek. Run, Henry. give it to Derek. Yeah, I I just they're so one dimensional. They're just waiting for that eighty yard rip. I and they can get it. That just they could. fires the entire team up. Like 
they have a fridge running the ball, so it's possible. <laughs> but just the Titans are just a little one-dimensional for me to like that. Um, but a lot of tough lines, I noticed. Yeah, no, this week was very, very difficult. Hard yeah. to pick. Like, the Packers, a lot of people are taking the Packers minus three and a half. I just, I just have trouble with the sentence of Deshaun Watson one and five. Yeah, he definitely wants that. He that wants game. to win, and the my Packers problem, did not look good last week. My only problem is like a lot of times when will an elite quarterback lose two times in a row? And I think in this case, yes, both quarterbacks are elite, but I don't think Deshaun Watson can make up for six hundred yards of offense against his defense that was put up by the Titans. Like, yeah. Um, if Aaron Jones does not play, though, is he, he not playing? He just had a a, a calf, a mild calf strain, hmm. today at practice. Today, like it was a couple hours ago. So, does that change things a little bit? I don't know. They I have a competent backup. Jamal when Williams. when when Rogers is motivated and Rogers is pissed, both scary. Yeah, yeah. Some, something different comes out sometimes. So yeah, Niners Patriots. I don't know this I, very. I don't know who wins this. We're going to be beefing. I know. We're going to be beefing. I, I have no idea who wins wow, this game. Wow, we're really like double beefing this week. we got the fantasy matchup, and we've got yeah, the Yeah, yeah. Ricky and I are playing each other in fantasy, and uh, our teams are playing each other in the NFL, so yeah. it could get very bad pretty quick here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I'm There's going to be a lot of bragging on the next episode. I know, I know. I, I obviously am going to lean toward the Patriots. You're obviously going to lean toward the Niners. I will say that the Niners looked really good. I, and the Patriots, not so much. Yeah, losing to the Broncos is not one of those things that I would. But the thing is, is the Broncos have a sneaky, yeah. amazing defense, though, despite Von Miller. My my thing is, if if there's a defensive coach that can probably confuse any quarterback in the league, it's it's Bill Belichick. Yeah. And Garoppolo is not above getting confused at some points. No, no it, he's not. It's happened before. I, I'm i going to say I think the Niners are going to win, but it wouldn't shock me if we lost like a close one because Garoppolo just didn't get in rhythm early, and it just ends up being like a, like a 21-20 game or something like that. Well, we can dive into it. So, do you think Belichick puts Gilmore on on Kittle? Which I think he might. He's done it before. Doesn't shock me if he does, but I also think that he could just be put on Debo because Debo looks like a good number one for us right now. I mean, like receiver, not number one option. Okay, that's what I mean. I, I, yeah. just, I just I just feel like Kittle is. Was he six five? Like is Gilmore like if you throw it up to Kittle with Gilmore on him, I still think Kittle can make that catch. I do. I, I, I do too. And I think at a point it's just like if you're gonna have that, you might as well just put two other people on George Kittle. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's tough. Like at the, at a point it's like if you're gonna double him, don't double him with Gilmore. So here's my issue with the forty nineers. Mostert's gone. Yes. And I have Jarek McKinnon playing for me. Right. Yeah. I don't love it. I don't. I don't and the Patriots either. have a good pass defense, not a great run defense, which in this scenario plays to their benefit. And I also think that the Patriots, uh, I think Cam Newton wants to prove a little bit 
Oh, yeah. Because he I did not look good. I'm scared of Newton this year. Yeah. And he did not look good throwing down the field. Again, that was a really tough defense. Yeah. I definitely think that— Niners have lost some pieces on their defense. It's it's up in the air. It really is. And that's why the spread's only two. That is true. This spread is only two there. I mean, a Patriots are favored, right? Just by a little bit, yeah. And they're home, so. All right. My, my only thing concluding on that is I hope Jimmy G just wants to, like, beat his old team. That's what I want. Because if, if Jimmy G comes out motivated and he comes out good, then I think it's it's in the bag for us. In the bag. I think if Jimmy G comes out well, yeah, I do. All right, we'll see. But, like, I, you know, that's that's not always the case. Yeah. Like, last week, I thought Jimmy G looked great. Yeah. But he does not always look like that. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. No Mostert. Uh, is Ayuk I, will be there, too, right? Yeah, Ayuk's there, yeah. All right, I mean, they certainly have more weapons. I mean, the Patriots have Edelman and, and Harry, who are... Nikhil. Edelman hasn't done a lot recently. Nikhil, no routes, Harry. Yeah, so that's a tough game to decide on. Um, anyway, do you want to get into a little bit of fantasy, and then we might wrap it up a little early? Yeah, I'm with that. Um, so there's a couple of things that I want to talk about in fantasy. Um a lot of them worry my team in particular. The first person I wanted to talk about today was James Robinson. Mm. And I think you should look to move him. And the reason I say that is because he's done enough to sustain his value, but he's on the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> precisely my thought. Right. He's not – he can catch passes. That's not particularly what he loves to do. He loves to run it and get – and he's a ground-and-pound guy similar to, like, Dalvin in that respect. But he has not gotten over 15 touches. He's gotten – or I guess he's gotten – he hasn't gotten 15 touches in three of the last four games. Um, it's because they're always playing down. And – like, exactly. So th- so I just worry about game script for him. Uh, he's a player that I, I, I worry about a little bit. Um, God, my team's taking some hits. Oh, I feel you there. Clyde Edwards Hilaire also. <laughs> Hilaire, sorry. Yeah. Um, we're going to disagree here. I don't think this is the end of the world for Clyde. I don't think you should move him just because I think his value is actually going to be too low. God, and Eckler's out for a long time. Longer rather than sooner. It doesn't help me either. Mm. But I, I, I don't think that Le'Veon – I think Le'Veon Bell could come in and be like the Damian Williams role with a little more goal line touches. That's what I see from him, which I don't think affects Clyde that much. You're obviously in a very different spot if you want to elaborate. Well, within the last week of Le'Veon Bell being tra- or signed to the Jets, I have traded for him in our fantasy league. That is correct. Because I think that he's Le'Veon Bell, and I think that he's extra motivated playing for a Super Bowl winning team already. Like, they've already won. He's going to play for the best quarterback talent he's ever played for. And he's only, like, 27. So he still has a lot of years left in him. 
He's going to be more motivated. He's going to play in a system that's going to utilize him way better. Because we both know Adam Gase was definitely not using him correctly. I watched this video on how they were they would use Le'Veon Bell as a runner. Apparently part of Adam Gase's system is just like running like in between the tackles with like an inside like dive or something. And that's like not... I mean, yeah, Le'Veon can do it because he can do it all, but, like, he's most effective in the outside when he can read blocks and try and get around people and whatnot. Also, I mean, he's one of the best pass-catching backs in the NFL. Like, I know, yeah. Um, the counter there is Clyde's pretty damn good, too. Clyde Clyde is good, but he has he's his, it's his first year in the league. It's his first year, yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And I also am the, – the the New York Jets with Adam Gase is not a good situation. No, it's like, atrocious. If you want to kill a career, that's where you'd probably – Yeah. 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 They're I already, mean, either there or Washington. They're you can already talking friends, about you – know? oh, we should have talked about this. How <laughs> I – I feel so bad for Johnny and all the Jets fans in the world, but – there's some there's reports reports that came out this week saying that if the Jets have the first pick that Trevor Lawrence yes I saw that avoid I saw that, that at all costs about that yeah it's, I think that if the Jets get rid of Adam Gase that it's not a horrible spot then again even if you fire Gase you're not leaving them with much. Uh, yeah, I that doesn't sound crazy to me. The Jets have nobody. And this is why I was very opposed to them getting rid of Robbie Anderson. Because Robbie Anderson was good. He was young. He was tall. He wanted to get paid, though. He didn't want to get paid. The Jets could have paid him, though. Yeah. The Le'Veon thing didn't make sense to me. The Robbie Anderson thing did. Especially if you want to get a new quarterback. What I've said about the Jets is... Okay, the, the the real question is, do you tank for Trevor or do you stick with Sam and get a better coach? Oh, I... Mm, I mean, obviously, I think every tanking team this year should try and tank for Trevor, but I feel like Sam Darnold's not a bad prospect. He's not. The reason, however... I mean, Trevor is easily the better prospect. I just, I feel like maybe you can just get something good if you're the Jets and not have to and still have like a solid quarterback you know and it's like if you get Trevor Lawrence now what are you gonna do with him so you think get a piece in, for Sam yeah or no not for Sam like keep Sam and get a different piece with the pick they that's what, yeah that's yeah, what yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah see I I disagree actually I think you think get rid of Sam unless if you can get a great coach if you can get someone like Lincoln Riley to come in. I don't think Lincoln Riley's ever leaving college football. I, I know. I'm just saying you got to get somebody. Because, like, like, there's def- definitely every NFL team that's, like, thinking about firing their coach has called Lincoln Riley already. Yeah, definitely. So my philosophy is in the, in the NFL you need a I – this, I say this a lot. You need a, either a great QB and a good coach – or a good coach, wait, or a good QB and a great coach. Yes. You need one of those two. Trevor Lawrence, I don't think, Sam Darnold is a good QB. He's not a great QB. Trevor Lawrence could be a great QB. And I think it's more 
you know what I mean. I, You're more apt yeah. to get a good coach and then put him with a great QB and have success that way. I um, I agree with you. I think though. If you're going to have the great QB and the good coach, you need the base team first. Like you can't like you can't put like Trevor Lawrence and a good coach on the Jets and succeed still. You need you need the base shell and then you throw in Trevor Lawrence. I don't know, man. The Seahawks have won games with not a lot. Yeah, but what are we saying is like the the line of standard here like the Seahawks barely make the playoffs every year since the Legion of Boom broke up and it's just because Russ will win games against these like scrubby teams that he wins like 31 to 28 because he throws three touchdowns in the fourth or something yeah it's not necessarily like that, that's fair. Not Russ something... has had pieces around him too exactly like, and that's not something you want to strive Chancellor for either or, like, or, I... did, was Earl Thomas yeah yeah the Legion was, of Boom yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Cam Chancellor, Earl, Richard, yeah. Sherman, Bobby Wag, yeah, they, they had pieces. So that's My, not necessarily a fair comparison. But also, like the, that's not something I feel like you would want to strive for. Um, like okay, if you look at like the last like five years of the Seahawks, they've made the playoffs probably every year, right? Yeah, but they've barely made it since they their Super Bowl hangovers. Yeah. If you look at the last five years of the 49ers, yes, I'm going to use the Niners. I am a Niners fan. Maybe like 2015, 2016, we were, and 2017, we were atrocious. Yes. 2018, we got Jimmy Garoppolo. We think we're going to be good. Yeah, and he blows his knee out. Shows some signs, yeah. And right, then... but there's a base team. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right, you're right, but I just don't see the option. And then... Like, you, what, like, Trevor Lawrence... Oh no, Trevor Lawrence is you in have a to get him. horrible spot. Yeah. Like, so but you have to get him before the base team or else you may risk losing him. True. Like Like that's what's gonna happen to Joe Burrow. I still think that the Cincinnati's gonna ruin Joe Burrow. Really? I think he Joe Burrow's played great. I just think that Cincinnati's gonna you know, the left tackle's gonna let up a let up an end that's gonna dive at his knee or something and it's never gonna be the same or He's not going to... I don't know, man. They they have <coughs> A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins has done really well. Joe Mixon is a bonus, like, really starting caliber running back. Um, They have some... They have Dunlap. They have Geno Atkins. Dunlap, Sh- Dunlap is hurt. And, or, I mean, Dunlap is old, and so is Geno Atkins. Yeah. Like, their good defensive players are old. But that that's something that you can... That's that's tougher. Um, it's hard to build good lines. It is, but just to just to go back to the main point is that the Bengals is complicated, but yeah. I like you don't know when you're gonna get a quarterback as good as Trevor Lawrence again. So you well, gotta with, you gotta go for it. Yeah, you know it's also so hard to draft, and there aren't a lot of people that. You know, I I think Trevor Lawrence has honestly been. Touted higher than Joe Burrow, you know. Oh yeah, and Joe Burrow had a ton of. That's just because, like, he's got the the intangibles. He's six four and he can throw the ball eighty yards. I mean, yeah. not really like that, but like he can he's, throw the he's, ball. He's, he's, he's smart the, uh, and he's a great locker room leader. I don't know, man. Joe Burrow had the greatest college football season of all time. He out did of, out of nowhere. 
not only that, he he transferred there to do it. Like it's not like he was redshirting in the system and then did it. He, he just went he there. He transferred from yeah. Ohio State. He's like, I don't want to be Dwayne's backup. And then showed everybody up. Oh, yeah. Also, real quick, I need to make an apology to my friend Carson Wentz. <laughs> uh, because I was I was extremely wrong about him. I don't want to say I was extremely wrong about him. But I was pretty wrong about him. I, at one point, said he was the worst quarterback in the NFL. Not true at all. And... The irony of the situation is now I am rostering Carson Wentz on my fantasy team and is probably going to be my starter next week. So we have gone full 180. Uh, the reason I the reason I did say that uh, is because, um, first of all, in the first couple of games, things were rough for that Eagles offense, and it seemed like he was panicked in the pocket, and it seemed like he was honestly. I was agreeing with you too. Yeah, running the ball more. Um, I mean, not on the he's the worst quarterback. I definitely yeah, didn't. you never, yeah, you never run that train. Also, I had Zach Ertz at the time, so I was very angry. I think, which was part of it. Definitely, yeah. Um, but I have to be fair to Carson Wentz in one aspect and say he has not had a lot to work with. Everyone just keeps getting hurt. Like <sighs> he lost to the Washington Football Team, but um, Zach, you know, Zach Ertz is hurt. Dallas Goddard's hurt. Tight ends are gone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Deshaun Jackson's will always be hurt for the next five years, if he, as long as he stays in the NFL. Because yep. it just seems like he's just yeah he's just gonna be hurt. Jalen Rager's hurt. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey's still hurt. Oh yeah, they're playing with a bunch of scrubs. The fact that he was able to win that game is crazy. It's ridiculous. And it's 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 changing my mind in the sense that, like, he kind of runs because he has to. Yeah. Like no one's really getting open. Uh. Now I I think they just need to hand the ball more off to Miles Sanders when he's there, but he's hurt now. So yep, yeah, he is. Let's go Eagles. <laughs> uh, so Carson Wentz, the he's put up good numbers too. Uh, I may need to get a charger for this. He's put up good numbers too, which is amazing. Um, sneaky, sneaky good numbers. But in fantasy, he's gotten like twenty. He did got like twenty four against the Ravens or something. Yeah, no, he. He should not have been in that Ravens game whatsoever. I know. So, I was wrong there. Um, I'll admit that. Uh, another thing I was wrong about, it looks like Calvin, Calvin Ridley is going to definitely be a thing. He's definitely going to be a top 15, would you say? Yeah. He's coexisting with Julio, played hurt, and still got, like, 14, which doesn't bode well for our hopes also, of winning the league. But. And also, like, if you think about it, the Falcons are always going to be playing down. So they're always going to be throwing. Right. So Calvin Ridley it's time. Not, yeah. It's not like they can just throw it to Julio every time. So. And they don't have much of a run game. Eh, Todd Gurley's all right, but he doesn't look great. Todd, Todd Gurley can get the touch, like the touchdowns, but, like, I don't know, knee arthritis is scary. And I feel like he's never looked as fast as he used to be. Yeah. No, I, again, it, he, he hasn't looked great, but he just he's always in the right place at the right time, and he's gotten tons of touchdowns so far. Yeah. So the offense looks great. Yeah, Calvin Ridley's definitely going to be a thing. I think I'm wrong about that. Uh, I was right about Christian Kirk, though. Christian Kirk had a couple of 80-yard, couple of, like... Oh, yeah, he had he had a long touchdown. Yeah. yeah, and he had a long touchdown in the game. So I was right about Christian Kirk coming to, coming into the fold uh, for the Cardinals. Um, I'm just trying to think of what else, uh, what else I said last. What else did I say last week? I'm trying to think. Uh... 
I don't remember. Hunter Henry got a touchdown. I know we. I know oh, yeah, you put I, Hunter Henry I on there. I had two touchdowns, but oh well, it's fine. Um, still got a score. Yeah, but I think I think I don't have a ton of. Um, so again, James Robinson is kind of my look to trade piece. Okay. Um, another look to trade piece I think is Chris Godwin, because I I think that there's a lot of mouths to feed, mm. and I'm starting to get worried. Like, I don't know, man. I, Mike Evans isn't consistent. Yeah, I don't even trust Mike Evans a ton right now. You know, Leonard Fournette's gonna be added to the mix. I would I would wait a little bit, but if Chris Godwin doesn't start producing after the injury, I think it wouldn't be a hurt absurd to move him. Um, a guy that I think you should trade for is Cooper Cup. Uh, I think that that Rams look better this year, like way they def- better. They definitely look way better than last year. And Cooper Cup is surprisingly like he hasn't had a lot of touchdown luck. So Cooper Cup is a guy that I think you could definitely go to and buy low right now. Um. And Cooper Cup had some serious success last year when there was three receivers. Yeah. And they were kind of struggling more in offense. So I can definitely see that picking up. Um, also, Sterling Shepard, I think, is going to be. Really? I, I can see Sterling Shepard becoming a big part of the Giants' offense going forward. So I, I just, I'm saying that because he's he's been dropped in some leagues. So, like, if you can pick him up, by all means pick him up. Yeah. Um, just looking, Marvin Jones is another one. Uh, is Damian Harris starting for? Yeah, but you never want to trust a Patriots. It's a Patriots back. running back. He's playing the San Francisco 49ers, and he played the Broncos and the 49ers. I don't know what to do with him. He's back on waivers now. Um, uh, do you have anybody you want? Oh, I'm gonna plug. This I can't. In. I can't think of anyone specific. Also, I think we're about to die soon. So yeah. I can give some UFC picks. There's a big fight tomorrow. All right, all right. Let's go to UFC for a moment. All Ricky, right. take I'm it not, away. I'm take take a couple. Only three. Only three picks. We're gonna go first. We're gonna start with Volkov Harris, then Whitaker Cannonier, and then finally the Khabib fight. I think that Alexander Volkov is gonna knock out Walt Harris. Walt Harris is not an elite striker. He got finished after. I want to say he was winning that fight against Overeem, and then he just got finished at the end. I, he's just not—he's not an elite enough striker. He's not—he's not young enough to where he's going to be learning and developing like that anymore. He's—he's he's not going to win. And Volkov has all of the all the measurables on him: height, reach. He's a—he's a Muay Thai guy. It just—it makes sense for Volkov to win. So I'm taking Volkov to probably. I'm going to say I'm going to say knock him out in the third. Uh, next fight, Cannoneer versus Whitaker. I am worried about Robert Whitaker. I know he won his last fight, and I know that he he's a top guy, but this guy, Cannoneer, it was a heavyweight. And if if Whitaker comes in really not, not on point and he gets clipped once, I could just see him going down. He's had two rough wars with Yoel Romero, who – Definitely hit him crazy amount of times and then got knocked out. So, you know, you're you're starting to get to a point where if you're you're a brawler and your chin's not lasting anymore, you gotta you gotta rethink some things. And I mean, if Whitaker wins, I, it wouldn't shock me because he's a, an elite striker. But I think that if Cannonier connects once, he could put him out. 
And lastly, Khabib versus Justin Gaethje. While I do think that Justin Gaethje is probably one of the best matchup that Khabib's had throughout his career, like in the UFC at least, I still think Khabib's going to maul him. Gaethje keeps talking about this whole thing of staying off the cage and how he's not going to be able to take me down if I'm off the cage. But, like, Khabib is such a high-level grappler. You can't tell me that the cage is the only reason why he's so successful and he's 28-0. Like, Khabib is a, was a Sambo champion, and I just... You can't... Like, if, if beating Khabib was as easy as staying off the cage, Khabib would have lost a long time ago, and he would have multiple losses. But I will say, I think it's going to be an interesting fight, and I think if Khabib can't take Justin Gaethje down, it is it is over. Ken, uh, just a question. When you're betting um, UFC, there's, there's money line, obviously. There's they they give you a spread and it's like well, yeah how does the spread the work? spread works like plus one eighty so if I bet a hundred and I win and I bet on the underdog then I'll get a hundred and eighty back that's the money line yeah, yeah. that's not that's well, not spread no no, no, no. I want to say like you get the hundred back plus the hundred eighty you win right if you take the underdog yes but if you take if you take the favor is favorite mi- minus two hundred. So you pay two hundred, and you get a hundred. You get a hundred. Yeah, that's money line. Yeah, I don't. I, they don't do spread. I don't. I don't think, I don't think that's. Can you take over unders on rounds? I. That's my other question. There's tons of things you can bet on. Yeah. I, like I, you I, can. Yeah, I'm sure you can bet on because there's crazy. There's always crazy stuff you can bet on. Like for every sport, didn't they have like a how long? Like the the I lost ones. some money. Yeah, I lost <laughs> the Super Bowl. I lost some money on Demi Lovato. <laughs> oh, so I mean, like I'm sure there's tons of like you can always you can always bet on how someone you think someone's gonna win, what round you think someone's gonna win. I'm sure you can bet on what move. So do you think do you think all of these are knockouts? Do you think all of I these think, are? I think that. I think the Volkov fight is a knockout. I think he's just a better striker. I think if Cannoneer, it's really for for the second fight for Whitaker and Cannoneer. If Cannoneer, I think, doesn't win early, I think it slightly goes in Robert Whitaker's favor. So I think if it goes to decision, Whitaker will win. But I think Cannoneer can stop him early. And with Khabib, most of Khabib's fights, they always tire out at some point and he just submits them or it's just over. Yeah. If it ends early, it'll be because Gaethje knocks him out. All right. We'll see. When, when are the fights? Tomorrow. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. All right. Maybe yeah. I'll watch some. I mean, I'm sure. You, you definitely will. Yeah. <laughs> forced into it. Uh, just just the last thing I wanted to say, just for, for Drake Duggins. Um, Devontae Parker. You sh- I think I'm, I'm like in on the Dolphins receivers. Really? Tua coming in. But see, like, how can you predict that? I don't know. Devontae you, Parker's the number you one, can. so I will give you that. And I will say Gasecki definitely goes up because rookie quarterbacks love tight ends. Yeah, but I just – they have, like, Adam Sheehan. Their second and third string tight ends were in the fold last week. So I'm more wide receiver than I am tight end. Really? 
I just Adam Sheehan got a touchdown and their third stringer last week. I mean, normally my thing is is rookie quarterbacks normally like their tight end. That is true. Like, that is a common like, trend. They like the safety blanket. Joe Burrow, ironically, middle of the I don't field, think hasn't. But um, I think that that offense will get better. I think that Devontae Parker's numbers could go up just because you're getting you're getting a quarterback who's probably gonna. More dynamic is what I'm thinking. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, Like they'd be able to move the ball better. Right, and like Ryan Fitzpatrick, he gets a lot of yards, but he also like they're handing they're handing the ball off. They're doing like a uh, what's his name, Uh, the guy that Frank traded away, Miles Gaskin. Gaskin, yeah, Gaskin's been doing really well, getting a lot of touches. But Ryan Fitzpatrick always like extends plays with his legs, and he'll like run and stuff like that. I think. I think Tua could definitely do that, yeah. Yeah, I, so I, I don't – I see it going up, honestly, instead of down, which, you know what, it'll probably be around the same. It'll, But I just think that Devontae Parker has room to grow, and he's only averaging eight points a game, you know. Also, he's definitely one. like a deep threat guy. Right. Um, I mean, like last year Fitzpatrick was good with him, so I can't say that, like, maybe it's Fitzpatrick's arm, but, like – I will say that Tua could probably fire it to him quicker, more effectively. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll see. It'll probably be around the same. I just I just tend to I, I'm buying in on the Dolphins' uh, offense being, you know, improving as the season goes. Uh, I said Marvin Jones, right? No, I don't think he did. I, if I didn't say it, I think Marvin Jones is an interesting buy low candidate or a pickup candidate, just because he's. He's on a Stafford offense that has been unusually run heavy, and I just think that the Lions offense uh, is going to score a lot of points in the future just because, first of all, Kenny Galladay's back. They're establishing a run game, and their defense is getting is doing terribly. And Marvin Jones did very well last year, quietly, even with a backup. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that this is it. Like, he hasn't done well. Um, I don't think that this is it. A similar guy in a similar situation is um, DJ Moore, who I have, who's had a couple games of 90-plus yards. Interesting guy to think about. Now, was Curtis was Curtis Samuel hurt last week? Because he's questionable this week. I don't know. Let me just let me just check. Um, I'll I just wanna, go to like. I want to say that. Yes, he was. For some reason, the stats don't show up anymore. Like, if I click on this. Curtis Samuel. Why doesn't it show up? Has, no, he's played every game. Played every game. Then, DJ Moore's an interesting pick. Because apparently that they're, they've been working on their chemistry. And uh, it's starting to improve. There was there were still a couple of like drops and stuff. Like, I think DJ Moore dropped the pass in the end zone the other week. Too. I mean, think about going like from... A throw like Cam Newton's that's a bullet to a little loft from Teddy Bridgewater. Right. And DJ Moore st- still learning a new system, actually, too. Oh, so yeah. even though he's Matt been Moore. there, yeah. it's going to take some adjustment. So he's an interesting buy-low candidate, too. I, that's what I did. I traded for DJ Moore. I forget exactly who else he gave up. but uh, Just an interesting trade-low piece. Uh, not a lot of guys I would move off of. I said James Robinson. Uh... Melvin Gordon's an interesting one because he's coming back to Philip Lindsay. Um, but yeah, I think we've 
just really quick, Julian Edelman, are you? Is he? Is he toast? Is he? Can you, can he come back? Uh, He's done nothing recently. I don't know. My thing is Cam. Cam Newton has never has always been known to kind of not be an accurate thrower of the football. <laughs> yes. And I mean, like, I think when you throw to the slot, you're gonna need to be very pinpoint. Yeah. Especially with a guy who's like five. How tall is Julian Edelman? Like five eight. Uh, I think he's, yeah, I think he's, like, around 5'10". Yeah. But, like, historically in Carolina, Cam's receivers have all been big guys. Calvin Benjamin, everyone else whose name I'm forgetting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, DJ Moore's not that big a guy, but he's not there anymore. But my thing is, is Edelman was one of those guys that Brady definitely elevated. And he's not, he's certainly not like born to play. Yeah. Like he's born to play football, but he, I don't know if he's born to play wide receiver per but, se. But like uh, Nikhil Harry to me is going to finish with better season stats. Interesting. Than Julian Edelman because he just, he fits the Cam Newton yeah. receiver scheme better. Interesting. So maybe, maybe make a move for Nikhil or pick him up if he's not owned. Uh, I don't know how. I thought he was a. I thought he was number one on their death chart. So he might be. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what happens there. We got the Pats 49ers game coming up this week, so it's going to be pretty intense here. But you're going down. Hey, hey. Not a fight. Going down. So. <laughs> all right. I think that's going to do it for us. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, we will see you all right back here next week. You'll be good next week. Oh, of course. All right. All right. Uh, We will see you all uh, next week here, probably Friday around the same time, uh, right here on Playing the Field. All right. Thank you.